you can say the only reason you can say no is because you have a way bigger vision or you have these priorities that you know are important so you can you can say no but if you don't if you don't have that you're going to say yes and you're just going to you know kind of do what what comes your way you're just like yes okay cuz you want to help other people obviously you want if something if somebody goes like can you help me during this time but it's inconvenient for you you know generally like even i would say yes cuz like i'm like yeah i want to help you but then it impacts the rest of like momentum in your day or whatever else you're trying to accomplish you do that enough and i think you start to feel like i i can't afford to say yes all the time well welcome back welcome, welcome back. back to athletes pursuit episode number two this would be number two it's number two well we did the intro which doesn't count mm -hmm. and then we did number one yeah so yeah if i'm if my math is correct you have you have good math <laughs> it's the it's the it's the third recording second episode indeed and today is so fitting because Something we have to always do every single day. One is really help ourselves recover. Let me pull this closer to my mouth so we can sound a little more clear. But we want to make sure that we're uh, recovering from these intense days and workouts that we have going on. But it's not as easy as people think. It's really not. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that we're not always recovering from just a workout. We're recovering from so many things. And maybe yeah. it's the city we live in. And I would argue probably not. It's so many other things in life when we have family and we have finances and we have work struggles and achievements. Uh, but we need to recover from from a lot of these moments. And right. I'm actually really curious to learn more about Someone like you who is so self-reflective, who knows themselves pretty darn well, I'd say. Thank, thank you. And you, you might not agree, but I think just from the outside, it looks like you do really well with all that. I want to understand how you truly kind of dissociate from all the things that are going on in your life. Because there's a lot. Who man. Right. And so I, th I think we're talking about things yeah, like being uh, someone who's very uh, kind of like an, an, an introvert. I think it takes, I yeah. would argue that that recovery period from life, from workouts, all the things, all of that together, there's a lot more involved in it. There, there is, it, it's, it's a lot of self-awareness. Definitely. I think no, you mentioned that I'm an introvert, which I don't know if that shocks some people to learn, uh, but I recharge by going a little bit more internal, uh, most of the time. So there's, there's somewhat of a principle that, that I started to adopt that is about the law of, uh, you've heard about the law of attraction, but like the law of detachment. So Don't know that one. All right. So there's, it's like a psychological kind of principle. And I learned it from, uh, there's a great philosopher I always refer to. His name is Alan Watts. And he talks about participation in life, right? You're fully immersed, you're present, you're experiencing life, yet you are still detached from it, which means that you're not attached to a certain result, to a person, to a job, to a career, to an outcome. So you're participating, but there's like a detachment from the experience at the same time, because you understand that all of life is kind of transient and just flows. So learning that um, is, is helped me out a bunch to learn how to recover and learn, you know, whatever is happening in life that we can't control, um, you can let go of and know, hey, what's meant for me is going to be around. What's not is is going to leave as it should. What enters and comes in and comes out is just it's just a natural way of things. So um, this this recovery and kind of 
getting away from, I think, all of the stressors that happen in our life. Some of it is knowing that the other part for me is understanding that, you know, going back to what you said earlier is that I'm an introvert. So I have felt guilty in the past and and I know you are too. So I wonder if you feel the same way. And I think we've kind of had conversations, you and I, uh, just ourselves about this, but recover. We are in a world I feel like where when you have a day off and typically Saturday, Sunday, you have a day off, like time off, right? Instead of just resting where like ideally as an introvert, I just want to be by myself or with a small group of friends, right? With a book or like honestly playing a video game or going to the gym by myself, like slowing pace down, less people, less interaction, even less conversing. I don't even want to talk that much or just not have to be on, I guess. Um, I feel like we live in kind of a more extroverted world where you want people want to fill that free time with we're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to go to that event, go to that concert, go here, go there. And I always find that kind of hard to, cause I have to say no to that stuff. And then I used to feel bad about it. I'd be like, Oh man, like I'm saying no to an experience or something like that. Right. Yeah. You feel there, there is guilt and almost shame in all of that. You feel as if you're going to miss out on something or you're, you know, you're not supporting your friends by, by not being there. Right. Yeah, I, I have this. I, I definitely am. Um, and let's also set up why people might think that we aren't introverts. And I think that it's okay to say that we could be both. But um, yes, for sure. like I do enjoy being on camera. I do enjoy speaking my mind. I do enjoy being up in front of a crowd. But I need, if I could have an escape hatch that just allows me to then just like completely veg out for yeah. hours. Yeah. Like give me give me my... Give me my hour in the spotlight and then give me my time to decompress. Retreat. Like, let me just, just <laughs> run away. Like, I don't, I don't want to say goodbye. I don't want to sign autograph. I mean, what am I sounding like? I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to get <laughs> you at. You signed an autograph? But no, no. What, uh, but what <laughs> I'm really trying to say is that I don't want to stick around for the conversation after. Like, even if it's going to be like a dinner party or it's going to be a family event, I'm like, I gave my all during that event. Wow. I don't yeah. need this now. Cause like, and, it's and sometimes my my all probably doesn't seem all that great, but that's all I have to give, right? And I don't yeah. feel like having uh, this happens with my my in laws. They they have that traditional Italian goodbye where you basically say goodbye seventeen times. Oh yeah, and so no, it I'm takes familiar. like three hours, <laughs> and I it. There, there is something very warm and welcoming and, um, you know, loving about that kind of thing. But for me, I feel like I can feel my anxiety kind of rising. My, my retreat is becoming even more aggressive. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. away and it, it looks like me. I'm just trying to be like, I don't like you. Get away from me. I'm not. I'm just like, I'm so glad for the time we had, but I got to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, where other people, it's like, you know, I feel like I look at that and I'm thinking they, they just want to spend more time together, but I don't, I don't know if they do. I just, I just know that I enjoyed my time with them and now I'm ready to kind of just go back. I'll be back when we, you know, have another right. event, right. but right. give me, give me my time. Again. Yeah, yeah. I relate to this heavy yeah. for sure. Uh, there is, there's definitely, I don't think that there is such a thing as a pure introvert as a pure extrovert. Like, I think we're always like a mix of both. It's just kind of what do you identify with, right? Like an introvert traditionally, um, responds like more stimulus, uh, is, is, uh, not really what you need. Like you want a little bit less input, 
right? Because we're very introspective. And so generally speaking, the introvert recovers in solitude. That's just kind of general. I think the definition in an extrovert obviously wants more stimulus and they get charged up by that. So it's kind of like what fills your battery up, right? So I'm the same way. And, you know, I can still, I mean, obviously as a fitness coach, like you're kind of on stage to a degree, Sure. You're out there. Yeah. You're performing. Uh, but that has literally, you really are, you performing, are performing, right? You have a mic on, you're up there. You got it. You got <laughs> to have the energy, around. right? You do have that, but, but it has purpose. So like, I think that's the thing introvert. Like I don't like small talk very much. I got to have some type of purpose. So when you go into those family examples that you're talking about, yeah. if, if I'm in a family party and we're just like talking about the weather, like if, you know, God love, I love my mom. But like when we get on the phone and she goes, how's the weather out there? I'm like, yo, what are we doing? Yeah, we're talking about the, the weather, clouds? the weather, politics, <laughs> and money. Whenever someone starts talking about that, and it becomes this small talk, right? Just these I'm like out. these like pleasantries. I'm like, it doesn't like. I feel like I'm wasting my time now. Right now, this is a really good because I'd love to talk right. about this in a future episode, which I think is relationship building. Okay, um, and I think that sometimes those pleasantries and those kind of things, they actually, it 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 really is necessary. I think to kind of feel out the situation, feel out a relationship, where to go in a conversation, like what yeah. is this person like? What don't they like? I think yeah. it's kind of necessary in some way. Now, I don't feel like I'm very good at developing or um, even, uh, you know, keeping relationships. I, I am I am someone who really, I didn't really think we were going to go this direction in this conversation, but like I do, like I burn bridges pretty easily. Um, if someone ends up crossing me, I usually do kind of hold that grudge for longer than I want to. And this is all something I would love to work on, but it's, uh, you know, so developing the relationships coming back, Mm. I think that it's, it's necessary to kind of go through those. So to cut that off so quickly, I think is not good. So now if we're talking about being an introvert, sometimes I'm like, do I have to be here for this? Do I, we have to be talking about this? Um, and sometimes I have that guilt and I'm like, I think I need to. So if we're, if we're basically talking about having to recharge and take time away, I'm now keeping myself in a position that I don't enjoy because I think I need to. And now I'm probably coming off as the wrong person because it's like, I think we're talking about the weather, but he seems angry. Well, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, so I'm going to go back to what you said about like cutting off, kind of cutting off relationships or burning a bridge kind of thing. Yeah. It's obviously going to depend on the circumstance, but I do the same thing. I, I, I tend to have a, and I've gotten more this way as I've gotten older too, and less apologetic about it, where if I just don't vibe with you or if the energy is draining me down or if you have like to your point crossed me or lied to me, it's very difficult to come back. Like you have all of my trust. I'm going to give you all of my focus and attention until, until you for some reason make it to where you, you've just burned it pretty much. And then it's hard to come back. It's hard for me to come back from that. I don't think that that's a bad thing really because I, I think you can only have so, first of all, you almost have, you only have so much attention and so much focus and so much yes, energy. So yes. I'm very protective of it. Yeah. Right. And I have my close circle mm-hmm. and the older I get too, I think you realize that you should have a close, small circle. I don't want a lot of relationships because I don't think that there's depth in breath, right? Like I want death and substance. So I, I have my core people and I trust them in implicitly wholeheartedly and you kind of get this good energy exchange from them right like um i can say that about you like when we have our conversations it's like an energizing conversation right it's intellectual we i think we both get something from it right 
And I have that with my brother and a couple other close friends. But to maintain relationships with many, I think is, I think is impossible. I think I've heard even uh, as a human being, like psychologically, we're only really able to have five close kind of intimate, close relationships, mm-hmm. right? Whether they be, you know, those intimate relationships with a partner or your best friend, your, you know, your close relatives and like whoever that is for you. So um, I think that's okay. I think some, when we go back to balancing work and rest, some of this recharging stuff that we're talking about, I think this is part of it is knowing, knowing yourself and kind of being okay with shutting other people down so that you can energize yourself. Cause I have struggled with that where I've allowed everybody in. Yeah. And then I'm, I cannot recharge. Then I'm like always getting depleted. Yeah. And then who's winning there? Like I can't perform at a high level then. You have nothing to give after that. No. And there, and I think that there are people and my, let me just kind of layer on top where I know I struggle with this is that my wife, I believe she recharges completely the opposite. She, she definitely likes her alone time, but she is very much an extrovert in the way of wanting to be around people and having multiple conversations and having multiple friends and multiple friendships. That's just how she grew up. I think it's how her culture, um, she would laugh if she heard me just say that. Cause, um, so, but it's something where, um, you know, she just, she just grew up with, with a lot of friends, a lot of family around. And so for her to be able to maybe try to recharge from work or recharge from challenges in her life, she wants to bring those people in. I think that's amazing. But that's where I know we in a very close environment have a really hard time where I'm like, I need to retreat. And she's like, I want to talk. And so now this struggle that you're talking about with the like friends and stuff, I think it's, I, I think it's maybe easier I want to speak for anyone that's single out there. I think it's easier as a single person to do that. Well, yeah, because you you can literally say after dinner, I'm going to go home, (laughs) and then you're going home, right? Yeah. But when you're in a relationship and living with the person, you're creating a life, obviously, together. This is going to be... I could I could see this being a very big challenge. I think I would have a hard time with this. It is it is a challenge, but you know what? There's so many great things that come from it, and I'm not just kind of you know blowing smoke at people's butts here by saying this, but there there are great things that we can really see from you know me being pushed to not be so introverted, and then her, like watch her end up kind of allowing the introvert to kind of be myself, and I so appreciate that. I get so that. it really so really any. I think with with everything around recovery, it's challenging, right? And so you can end up going into recovery from, you know, you think of it scientifically from the nutrition standpoint, from the, you know, training periodization standpoint, but we're not even there yet. We're still talking about how to, how to actually take time for yourself. Yeah, I think that's kind of the hardest piece. Training, like if we, I know we're going to go back into this training recovery, I think is actually pretty easy. It's, yes, it seems exactly. really straightforward. Yeah. This stuff is way more difficult. I find it way more difficult because I want, there's also a part, uh, I, I've, I've been reading, I've been going into this book, I think I've mentioned to you once called Quiet by Susan Cain. It is about, you mentioned it, you made it it's sound about good. being an introvert and pretty much the power of that. And And she even mentions that there's this, Um, you feel guilty kind of, or she felt guilty in her early years for being an introvert because you're kind of taught in this this society to be an extrovert, 
right? To be outgoing, to go to networking events, to mingle at dinners, right? To talk to people. And of course there's benefit in it, right? And she'll say in this book, like, of course there's benefit to working in teams and to working in groups and to, you know, uh, in, in learning salesmanship, right? And influencing people there is. Um, but it's almost like we diminished the power or, or what it means to be an introvert too, that, let's not apologize anymore that if you, if you recharge by being alone, that that should just be completely okay. That it should be completely fine for you to say no to dinner and choose a book instead. Or instead of going on a vacation trip with a bunch of people, um, you know, in the Bahamas, maybe you just want to get a cabin by yourself and read some books. That's, that should be completely okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Bottom line. But for whatever reason, I think we feel internally guilty. I know I have. I've had this internal struggle with it, but I'm just learning to uh, say yes to the things that just make me feel good so that I can, you know, perform at my best. And, and that's just it is what it is, you know. So you just adopt those things. Yep. I think it, I think that you uh, you do a really good job of kind of accepting that. I can almost see you growing as I've known you. And being able oh, really? to accept yourself more. Oh, this is interesting. Really? Yeah, it's been, I think it's, I think it's been a good little thing. Cause I, you know, I think from when I first saw you, especially, um, on that, on that training side, um, you know, I think I did see, there was a breaking point. I think one at one, at one time, uh, I think you were very open about it. In fact, right. Uh, I think on social media. It's like you need this time away. I, oh, remember, yeah. I remember you throwing stuff and like, but it was the first time I think in your new environment yeah. that it happened. Yeah. Right. You had to have some conversations. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was a very good way. So I think stepping up for yourself and yep. realizing, Hey, you need to have these conversations with the people around you. You yeah. can't just maybe fight, um, you know, work against all of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you are allowing people to understand who you are. Yeah. Right. It's very true. Like you with work and having to go in there and be like, Hey, I'm Joe. This is how I'm going to be able to give my complete self to, you know, work. This is what yep. I need from you guys. Same thing with a relationship. Yep. And this, I, you know, what I, what I mentioned about my marriage, this is not something I don't believe that her and I, cause we went through a lot of things. I'd, I'd love to share those later, but we went through a lot of things where maybe we didn't actually get a chance to see some of these moments where I am the, the introvert and how I recharge and how she is the extrovert. I think we knew it, but we didn't really know how it plays into life long-term. So how do you, how are you handling this? I mean, is it as simple as just communicating like, Hey, I just need this time alone tonight. And you, and you take that and you just simply say that and you have that time or is it as simple as just communicating what you need? <laughs> it sounds simple, it but the execution is always different. My ex- like, how are you guys handling it? I guess <laughs> my execution probably isn't the way to do it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I do still bring myself to these breaking points where I don't end up communicating very effectively. And then it kind of like, it just comes out and I'm like, I got to get away. And it's yeah, like, no, no, okay, well we could have figured this out maybe, maybe 10 minutes earlier. Right. If you just kind of told me what you need, but I think this kind of goes, this is a good transition into our larger uh, topic, our larger conversation mm-hmm. right now about how we can really make sure that we are um, kind of balancing things, right? So balancing, I think we talk about um, a, a work-life balance, sure, right? And, um, you know, if, if marriage is life and, you know, the work that we do with our clients and our members, 
um, that that is our work, right? How do we actually balance those things? And so you're asking about kind of my marriage. And so I think we can break these down, not only into just work life, but I think work and life, right? Because I think both can be kind of tough. So I think if we're going into into things like like uh, like life, just I think being able to make sure that you kind of know where your values are and where you kind of set your intention. Uh, for myself, I know that my intention is to, you know, continue to be an amazing dad and to continue to work on being a better husband, um, and then work on being a good son, work on being a good brother, um, and work on maybe trying to kind of fulfill my life through travel, through, you know, meeting new people, if I definitely can, all those kind of things there. And so making sure that I understand if that's my intention, then where do I end up kind of organizing that? Mm -hmm. And I think I need to make sure that I'm setting up boundaries and allowing those times to actually, um, you know, be set almost in my quote unquote schedule. I think it's important to really make sure that you set time aside. You can't just let it be a passive thing. Okay, I'm going to be a good dad today and then not think about how you're going to do it. Yeah. Right. I think that you actually have to, you know, and I think people think that it sounds crazy, but I think it's good to schedule in. Okay. Maybe that's playtime with the kids. This is going to be dinner time. Like actually schedule it, put it on your calendar, make it a hard, like start and stop if you need to. Sure. I think that people think like, no, 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 it'll just work itself out. But I think that especially when it comes to life, like you do need to schedule those things. You can't just let, you can't think it's just going to happen. No. And it usually gets away from you. And I think yeah. that kind of then plays into work because a lot of us, I know maybe I'm just talking, you know, personally here, but I think that work becomes something that can really take over your whole day. So the things that you wanted to do, be a good dad, be a better husband, that ends up almost being taken over by the thing that is going to be bringing in money. The thing that likely I'm hoping most people can say that they're passionate about. Yeah. Right. So, I think that you need to make sure that you're kind of setting these boundaries, scheduling times. I think that can definitely help. It's a good start at least like without kind of listing like here are your bullet points. This is exactly what you can do. Like you have to think about it that way just a little bit. Yeah, you do. I I think this work-life balance thing is uh, it's always a common question and I find it very difficult because I don't, I don't know if it exists, right? I don't know. I, I think you're always kind of playing with, I'm going to rest, I rest more this time. I have work more this time. It's always just this constant flux with things. Mm-hmm. One, I think understanding that there's going to be a con- constant flux is sure. kind of a huge, helps a bunch. I think, um, I also, and this is, you know, we'll talk about priorities in it here in a second, but there's also just these phases where you're going to work a little bit more during certain times, certain seasons of your life, and you're going to rest a little bit more during certain seasons of your life. Something that, that helps me, um, a little bit is, uh, understanding some of the experiences that I had, um, when I'm working a lot, like right now we've been working so much, you know, quarantine, we're, we're trying our best to, you know, adapt during this time. Right. And we're all doing our best. We're all scrambling and and moving. And, you know, sometimes it can burn you out. Be like, man, I'm working so much right now. Right. But I always go back to this thing where when I was in Cape town, when I lived in Cape town for like six months, I had no job. I had like, you know, I was modeling and stuff, but these things are, you know, sporadic. So I had all this free time on my hands and you, in the beginning, it's amazing because you're like, I can just spend the day however I want. And that's a beautiful thing. Of course. Right. I could go hiking in the morning. If I felt like going to get dinner that night at a certain spot, I'll just go, I go to the beach one day and it's like, Hey, I don't have plans. You want to go do this? And it's like, yeah, I'll just go with the flow. Right. Now, how beautiful is that? It's great. However, I remember that even that got boring. Right. So 
some of this for me with work-life balance type of thing is just the perspective of knowing that there really isn't this perfect kind of zone. You might be in a great zone at certain spots in your life, but too much of one thing, uh, you're always going to miss the other. So I'm on the beach one day and I'm thinking, man, I've been doing this for four months. I really want to be challenged and do some work. Like I want to be pushed. I want to be in a grind. I want to be in a routine. So I'm on the beach and I'm missing work. And now I'm at work and I'm missing the beach, right? Like there's always this thing, like you always, the grass is greener kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm always kind of remembering that and putting that back into perspective too. Joe, what was, what, what would the perfect day in Cape Town, South Africa have been? I had many of these days. It was for me, it was, it was waking up with a cup of coffee. I would, uh, go for a hike onto lion's head to see the sunrise. So you would see this dramatic sunrise, even have coffee on the side of this mountain. I really hope we can put some background music to this. I got to. This would be amazing. <laughs> it was it was it was obviously great. And walk back down, I would grab some lunch at this perfect at the time I was vegan. So I found this great vegan burger spot. And I love their food. So I would get a vegan burger for lunch and then I would go for a jog uh, along the promenade. So it was this beautiful running trail along the ocean coast and take me right to the gym where I would go into weightlifting and then go to another vegan burger spot that was right next to that gym and walk back home uh, through through Greenpoint in Cape Town, which is this beautiful walking path, like just absolutely gorgeous park. Uh, and then maybe have some wine to see the sunset. And I had that day many times. That's amazing. Was, was anyone else involved in this? Sometimes, but yeah. often I did this alone. Yeah, or nice. they were there for pieces. Like I'd meet you at the gym or I'd meet you for a run or I'd meet you at the yeah. beach or meet you for the hike, but it would be, I would, some days I would just do this by myself. It sounds, that sounds pretty perfect. I loved it. <laughs> I gotta it be was honest. very relaxing. Have you been able to recreate that here in New York? Not really. No? No. It's not like you can get up, enjoy your coffee, overlooking no. Dumbo? No. It's <laughs> a little bit harder. <laughs> Taking the nice, the nice walk on the, on the promenade over in Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, it's and tough. Then, and then taking a little stroll across <laughs> Brooklyn Ridge. I feel like you could recreate it in some way. You could in some so ways. a lot more people. And a lot more people. <laughs> scenic in a different way. Don't you find that just the energy of the city causes like a different sensation? Like you could, to your point, I could probably maybe recreate that day. But just I feel like the energy of the city makes me feel just different about yeah. my day too. For sure. I feel there's a, there's a speed to the city, right? Some the people are always kind of moving and especially in this, in this area, um, is that you actually have a mix of, you have tourists and then you also have people that are trying to get to work. So you do get even more, uh, complicated in terms of like how you're trying to navigate around. It's hard, right? Yes, it and is. Even trying to get from one to from one from one spot to the other. Are you going to walk? Are you going to bike? Are you going to end up taking the train? Do you have to take an Uber? Like, what do you do? It's oh, a wait, fight. Traffic. <laughs> it's like there's so much thought that goes into everything. There really is, right? And it it really ends. It, it grinds on you. I don't think people understand that going to get groceries is like a huge deal here. It takes a lot of work. I feel like you have to be a project manager for not just your life, your day. You're like, okay, if I drive over there and I drive back, what am I going to do? Where am I going to park the car? I don't really understand. Am I wearing my mask? Where's my mask? Okay, okay, let me just jump out of here. Okay, good. Okay, sanitizer. Got my sanitizer. Okay, where am I going to go now? I'm going to go to Whole Foods or to go to Trader Joe's. Oh, Trader Joe's. The line's going to be so long. Uh, Whole Foods. The line's less long, but it might be more expensive. And it just ends up becoming like, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of logistics. I don't know if it's adulting. I think it's just like adulting on steroids. In New York? Yeah, probably. Because I remember growing 
grocery shopping in Charlotte and it used to just be like, I would just take my car and go and that was in and out. But over here it's like, yeah, we're at Trader Joe's and it's like, oh, well for me to get from Trader Joe's to Dumbo is going to take 30 minutes by subway, but then I'm going to have to take these bags on the subway to get over here. But if I take the ferry, it's going to take 40 minutes. If I take an Uber, it's 25 bucks. Is it worth it today? And it's, it's just like a whole thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And if you can see behind us, it's raining right now. Right. And that rain makes a difference in the day. You're it's like, space, it bro. shuts things down and you're like, I can't do that now. That was a more enjoyable way to do it. So now any way I do, I'm going to not enjoy. So we're always, de- apparently we're always <laughs> dealing with this. Come to New York. Yeah. It's a great city. So I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week to give these guys like a sneak peek <laughs> a little bit. But like the stressors that you don't even realize that are hitting you from just your environment. Right. Yeah. Like just the fact of being in New York is probably causing more in stress because of the environment we're around versus Cape Town. The environment you're around is way more relaxing. Oh, it's beautiful. Much more of a chill vibe. So it just puts you in yeah. a different headspace. And it's like, are you factoring that in to how you're resting and recovering? Because it is it is a factor. But how much? It's always going to be this battle. But I think we have to understand this is where it, it, it probably leads into priorities. Because like the, the work and rest, it's always going to be there. I think it's always going to be a battle. And we understand that. So then how do you prioritize certain things is the next question. And so, you know, prioritizing is it like, do you have a process for how you prioritize kind of not just your day, but maybe, maybe themes for your year, Ryan, do you have certain things that you kind of like a process you go through? Ask me a different way. What do you mean? Do you have like what what are your top priorities that help you say no to distractions? Okay, got it. So I think I I'm still learning myself a lot and I think I'm really behind on this. If someone says, "What do you really like?" I don't always know, but I know maybe what maybe makes me feel good and I'm learning to trust my gut a little bit more. Ah, uh, it's a So uh, certain things that make me feel good will be, you know, spending a little bit more time outside than inside, uh, making sure that I can kind of go through some sort of these rituals um, throughout my day. So I know that I prefer to get up earlier than later. I know that I prefer to um, spend a little bit of time by myself uh, earlier in the day than later. I know that I want to make sure that I'm getting some sort of activity in. I want to make sure that I feel like I've taken care of, you know, my dog. Uh, I want to make sure that I've spent time with my daughter. So now you might kind of see where I'm kind of ranking these things. Not yep. that my daughter comes last there, obviously. But it's something where when I get up in my day, I really think about my non-negotiables. And I start to think about the habits that are going to make me feel good and are going to set me up to feel relaxed and be able to recover later in the day. If I get up late, I'm not able to work on the things that I wanted to that are going to uh, make my business successful, that are going to make make my relationships uh, successful. If I feel like I didn't take care of my dog, yep. right? all these things, by the end of the day, they build up. And now I feel almost like a failure and I can't spend my time sleeping. Right. And uh, recovering. So what so my rituals are really kind of built around those non-negotiables of like this is who I want to be. And it's really just it's driven by my value. So I like to set up my morning, what I kind of call my magic time. 
Uh, my magic time is when I'm more creative, I'm more focused. Um, and it, again, my intention is to get these things done so that I then can rest later in the day uh, okay. and I can spend yep. more time focusing on my daughter, continuing being an amazing dad and continuing to work on being a better husband. That's cool. Right. So yep. maybe being available for dinner, cooking dinner, doing more cleaning um, and all those things too. Right. If my apartment's not clean, I don't feel like I'm successful. Right. Yep. I'm not I, I'm not actually able to be as creative. So all of these things kind of line up. So I really find that um, I very much value uh, my early morning. I value, you know, my clean apartment. I value kind of taking care of things. I value really tapping into my mind. Um, so uh, I just I just heard someone say this yesterday, that they have to do a, a really good job of protecting their calendar. And that doesn't mean that you have to actually schedule those things, but you have to protect yourself in terms of making sure that if someone says, hey, um, you know, maybe one of my clients does want to schedule really early morning because that's all they have. And we have to kind of work on our next steps. I have to say, you know what? Well, that's going to really affect my later in the day. I have to protect myself and I have to say no to you. Yeah, because I know it's going to be so important and you have to big. be able to say no to that kind of thing, point. but maybe be able to say no in a different kind of way. Right. And if you end up feeling like you have a purpose behind it, instead of like, I don't feel like it, like it's not that I'm not, I'm not saying I don't feel like talking with you early in the day. I'm saying that I'm prioritizing myself and that's, is, that's just helping me then recover better towards the end of the day and work yeah. on all those things I want to. Yes, dude. There's, I'm going to say this quote because you just led into it and I love it. It goes, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage pleasantly, smilingly, not apologetically to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. The enemy of the best is often the good. I think about that all the time. And it's pretty much what you just said. You can say, the only reason you can say no is because you have a way bigger vision or you have these priorities that you know are important. So you can, you can say no, but if you don't, if you don't have that, you're going to say yes. And you're just going to, you know, kind of do what, what comes your way. You're just like, yes. Okay. Cause you want to help other people. Obviously you want, if something, if somebody goes like, can you help me during this time? But it's inconvenient for you. You know, generally like even I would say yes. Cause like, I'm like, yeah, I want to help you. But then it impacts the rest of like momentum in your day or whatever else you're trying to accomplish. You do that enough. And I think you start to feel like, I, I can't afford to say yes all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you can't afford it. You lose so much momentum and like you have, but you have for you to say, no, you have to have these priorities lined up, which is something you have to figure out. Nobody's going to figure that out for you. What really matters and what you're trying to accomplish. It has to be, it has to be as clear as you can make it. And then something that I want to go back to too, is like, we're talking about time allotments, right? And you mentioned things like, um, you know, where, you, you know, you, you said you made a joke of like, you know, my daughter's like kind of like lower on the list kind of a thing when you were rattling it off. But it does just because of time and Tom Bill, you said this, he's like, family's my highest priority, but it's not my highest time allotment. Right. And it's like, well, how can that be? Right. Like maybe work is probably your highest time allotment, I would guess, but it's probably not your highest priority. Like I, I'm sure family's your highest priority. Right. So that's okay too. Right. Like where you're spending your time, you might have to spend more time on a certain aspect of life, but it doesn't necessarily correlate to being your highest priority all the time. Right. So these priorities, like for me, you know, training is like a number one for me. And cause I know that like, I have to have that to feel good. So like training and having that at the highest level for me is like what optimizes my performance. And then I have to have like certain initiatives that like I do each day and it can just be one thing. 
It can be one thing that I'm moving the needle forward on for my future. That's for, that's for me. Cause I think we have jobs. Like a lot of us will have a job that you're working for somebody else or you're working for somebody else's vision. And so you're going to have to do certain things throughout the day. That is, you know, for that company, for that business. And that's great. You got to execute on those. But at the same time, I always make sure I promise myself that one simple thing, and sometimes it's more right than this because I got momentum, but I'm doing one thing to move the needle forward on something I'm passionate about, whether it be like a side project that I'm working on or some creative idea that I have um, some five-year vision for myself. And I think that's that makes all the difference too because progress usually is something that just makes us happy. It fuels us. Um, so that's kind of helps me kind of prioritize certain things. With... I'm trying to say this with kind of around work and some people, you know, it's, it's trying to stay within that one category of how do you balance work? Now we're balancing work, we're balancing life. Um, but I think with around the kind of thing of saying, no, I want to make sure I brought this up as Same. well is that when people start talking about, well, how do you turn something down or no to not take that on as a project? Um, when someone asks me like, well, how do you know if you should take a client on or not? Or how do you know if, um, you know, working on social media is more important than writing a blog or, you know, taking care of these small tasks? I think making sure that you really define your hourly value is going to be so important. Um, and if you really feel like you're doing tasks in your life that aren't really creating more future value, you have to be honest with yourself and say, maybe this is something that I can either delegate out, get someone else to do. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I know that let's say accounting, I'm not great at it. And so I can do it. I can sit down, I can keep running through my numbers every single month and I can look at my taxes and I can do my taxes, but is that actually going to make me money? is that going to help me out? Because now that's taking time away from working with potential clients yeah. or creating social media that uh, maybe can get me more clients. So I'm now going to outsource that. Or maybe it's website design. I can keep working on my website and I can make it look exactly the way I want to, but is that now going to reduce, you know, is that going to match up with what my hourly value is? Right. I need to yeah. now make sure that I'm kind of focusing on helping myself work on the things that are going to bring the most value to me. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, I think that, um, I heard an example a long time ago about, you know, someone trying to, you know, maybe even we can think of value in terms of, you know, valuable time with your family if you want to, or valuable time with your business, whatever you want. But let's put someone in the, uh, in the environment of a house with a, with a yard and you have to mow your, your, your lawn. Um, if you know, it's going to take you an hour and that you normally are going to make, let's say, you know, $600 an hour and you can pay someone to mow your lawn for 40 bucks an hour. It's going to be more advantageous for you to pay that person $400, I'm sorry, $40 to mow your lawn and go make the $600. That just makes more sense. Sure. I'm sure you can take on those, like you might be passionate about mowing your lawn. You love it, right? But it's something that you can do that. But if those start to add up, those things that kind of devalue you, you have to make sure that you start to make some decisions. Yeah, sure. And I think that's how people can kind of balance the work side of it. You want to set your hourly value or your value of anything. Well, I think those decisions become a lot easier when you 
understand what you're working towards. So you have that priority set in mind and then you're able to just be like, this isn't worth my time. Like, I think it just becomes way more clear because if you don't have that, then I would probably just be like, yeah, I can just like, I'll just mow my lawn today. I can mm-hmm. just like do this. Right. Yeah. Um, cause you just have all the free time in the world kind of a thing or you don't know what you're going towards. So I'm a, I always try to get laser focused. And I think that there's always, again, we go through these phases. We're like my, you know, we're, we're all, we all go through them where you're more locked in than other times. So if I'm in a lull where I'm just like, I'm just like not cranking it out. I just don't feel maybe excited or I feel like I have too many things going on. I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling when there's like five projects, 10 projects, like too many things going on and they're all different. That's when I I like really try to stop myself and I'm like, dude, you got to like narrow this down. Like you are one guy and this has got to get more focused and it all has to kind of make sense because when I'm laser focused, you know, you just know where you're going. And, and you said earlier about saying no to things and that that's a huge, it's a huge deal. And I don't know if that's always good advice throughout your life. Cause like, I'll, I'll tell you why, like when I was a little bit younger, I feel like saying yes is probably a good thing when you're like navigating and experiencing things that you you're trying to learn what you like, what you enjoy, maybe what you're passionate about. I would say yes to a lot of things because I'm just trying to experiment. I'm just trying to taste things. But I remember going into this year specifically, I always tend to have like a theme going into the new year. Like I don't really do goals anymore. I kind of do like visions and themes for my year. You're always good with that. You're good with a long-term focus. And it, it kind of happens like naturally. Like I kind of come into the year and I'm like, all right, this is kind of the, sh- the mindset shift. And the theme this year was to say no. Because I remember that last year I was saying yes to a lot of events. I was saying yes to go network or see these people or meet them out, which maybe I needed to. Um but it started to become a little drain where I was like, now I have to say no to opportunities. It's like things were coming and there were opportunities being presented, which is great. But now it's not just about getting the opportunities, about saying yes to the right ones and the ones that align with you. And this alignment thing, I think is everything. I think it's a huge deal. And the alignment factor to me is intuition based. And you were talking about that, getting a little bit more in touch with what that means and I'm kind of curious to hear your take because I'm huge on this and I'm trying to learn more about just intuition and gut feel, like really where it comes from because I'm curious just where this feeling really generates. But I, I have learned to really lean into that of most of my decisions are based off gut feel and intuition where we talked, I talked earlier to you about this law of detachment and some of that comes from that where this operating in faith comes in. Like I'm not so, I'm not so process oriented Like I'm not the kind of guy that really like makes a checklist every day and says, I'm going to accomplish these five things. And this is what I'm going to do over three months. And so that's going to give me X, Y, Z. Like I'm way more artistic with it where I'm really going with the flow and feeling it, but I have a vision to anchor me, but all that is intuition based. So like if a decision comes around, I'm just like, I'll sit with it and be like, doesn't feel right. Just doesn't line up with me and I'll let it go, you know? But if it hits and I'm like, this feels like, to be in my life. Like it's attractive to me. I'm just, I'm going to run with it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why it works, but I just have learned to trust it. Yeah. Um, I mean me, I'm someone who lives with chronic anxiety. Oh, And so (laughs) I will, I'll let, I'll let you know that, uh, and this isn't, it's not really a diagnosed thing. Like I've been told my wife's a social worker. She's like, yeah, you're anxious. And I think a lot of us can say that we have anxiety and I think that it can kind of live on a spectrum, but I know what extreme anxiety feels like. 
And I know that, you know, in moments where my extreme anxiety is, uh, I felt it when I used to uh, be a server in the city when we would be extremely overwhelmed, usually brunch in New York City. If you want to ever just go into war without ever going to war, work work a brunch in any restaurant in New York City. <laughs> um, I mean, people you just feel like no one can make an egg or get their coffee anywhere else in that time. Um, but it, it's, it was it, working in a restaurant. It always gave this pit of anxiety, but it was something that was kind of fun because at the end of the day, at the end of the night, you would end up kind of getting paid. And so you would actually end up getting, you know, uh, a reward for that anxiety. And so I, I, I would, I would always feel I wasn't really successful that day or I wasn't working hard enough or I wasn't going to make enough money unless I got that pit of anxiety in my stomach. It wasn't healthy. Um, the other times I would say, you know, thinking about certain things like hey, student loans, I still have those actually. And it's something where like I start to think about money and my anxiety builds. There's per there's certain people in my life I think about and that anxiety builds and all of those aren't good things. And so I've been able to discover, okay, as that starts to increase, this isn't a good feeling. I don't want to feel this again. I did appreciate, you know, when I was working in a restaurant, I appreciated that anxiety. I think the financial anxiety is not something that's really good to feel. It is, it is good, I think, to understand like what's good and what's not. But when I start to feel that about a certain situation, I kind of feel that pit of anxiety mm. start to develop. That's my gut instinct. You can develop, you can, you can define it however you want to, but that's what I start to feel. And then if something in my life comes around and that's not, I'm like, Oh, I'm not really feeling that pit of anxiety or that frustration. This might be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I really try to revolve myself around that. So it really is almost like a literal gut reaction. It's a gut feeling. I actually feel that. And if it's not bringing me joy and bringing me more of that anxiety, I will end up thinking about it. But I think at this point in my life, I've learned to steer away from it. Even, even if it's something of interest, even if it's something that someone says, this is going to be really good. And I'm hearing you, but I'm feeling this way. I'm now... I, I have to, I've already been through this. I've already been through this. Let me, I'm going to go the other way. Like I have to trust yeah, myself yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and do. it ends up helping me so much now. And I may, I may pass up a really great experience to be honest with you, but that's okay because now I've, I felt like I know myself better. Yeah. Well, you have to believe in something. So I think like that is an internal compass and I, you know, whatever you believe in, like the spirituality aspect of it, or just like a gun instinct from a collection of experiences, whatever it is, like you got to lean into something and it, it hasn't seared right. Everybody say when you start listening to it, it doesn't see you wrong, right? It puts you in a good path. The only time I've gotten in trouble is going against the gut. Yeah. But I've made decisions going against the gut. What was the worst decision? Well, I, I remember, well, specifically like there, when I came back from South Africa and I was like debating, I was having this debate of, do I go back to work? Like I was like, do I go back to a normal job? Cause I did, I came back to Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't have a job. I was like, do, what am I going to do? So, uh, I was like, do I go into real estate? Do I do a traditional job or do I keep going and like try to try to travel again internationally somewhere else? And I remember trying to go to the traditional route of, all right, I'm going to get a real estate license or I'm going to open like a gym here and just become like, you know, back into kind of similar to what I was doing before. And I literally got sick. I, I lost weight. I got, I got sick. I was sick for a month. 
And every time that I would go against this stuff, like it felt so bad internally. Yeah. To where I, that was a breaking point for me where I'm like, I'm just not going against the gut again. It just doesn't work out. Like until I go, all right, this is, I know the path that I should be on is this trust it. You don't know why, but it feels right. And, And that's it. And it gives you like a lot of peace of mind. You just feel like you're on the right path. This like anxiety stuff is like obviously a real thing. Like I've had it too, right? I still kind of experience it. The only thing that has helped me with it is more kind of like, I think because I went through some stuff where I had a secure job, lost it. And then I used to freak out. I had tons of anxiety when I quit my, when I quit my job because you don't have the stability anymore. But then because I had that, went through it and figured out like, oh, I can figure it out. Like, like I'll find a way it kind of just develops some confidence in you of, all right, you have faith. Like no matter what the world's going to throw at you, you've, you've been at a spot where you had nothing and you figured it out. So what's the world going to do to you, man? You know, you're going to be okay. You're smart enough. And there's this quote of like a bird sitting on a branch doesn't worry about the branch breaking because it has faith in its own wings. I've always liked that one. That's a great one, right? Yeah. It's just faith in yourself. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen and you will be able to adapt because you have faith in your abilities and who you are. Yeah. I actually have the opposite experience in terms of you, you leaving a job and that being the thing that you struggled with. I struggled in staying, I, I struggled with staying in a job for too long. My last job, I was working for someone else's practice and I stayed there for way too long because I was so afraid to leave. And every time I thought about it, I did have that pit of anxiety in my stomach when I made the decision to stay, but I did because I thought it was the thing to do. Yeah, I've been there. And yep. so I needed to trust myself a little bit more in that moment. I felt like I couldn't. I was like, I need a, I need a, I need a smoother transition out of here. But yeah. really, if I just, if I, if, if I cut that branch and I let that branch fall. I should have had. I should have let that happen. I needed to. I'm in such a better spot. That was like a little more than like a year and a half ago now. And you know, my my anxiety is less. Uh, you know, I have more control in my life. I have a I have a I have a deeper, passionate focus in my life too. So that was a really difficult uh, position that I was in. I'm so glad that I'm not in it anymore. That's a hard. That's a hard jump to make, but I think a very necessary one. You know, I've been there too, where you're kind of maybe in a position that you know a job that you know you should have left, mm-hmm. but you're there for whatever the reasons may be: comfort, security, familiarity whatever it is. Yeah. But taking that leap is really tough because like you are relying on yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning when you do that, I mean, admittedly it's pretty scary as I got to tell you as a man though, like I felt it to be like really necessary. I remember having this conversation with my brother when I was, I was sitting in Charlotte and I just, uh, I think I was thinking about, this is when I got back from Cape town. And I remember set, telling him, and this is something I just felt so deeply at the time I have this great job in Charlotte, right? So I have this corporate job. And I remember telling him, I was like, Chris, it feels to me that if I were to stay in Charlotte and get this great condo and have this sales job that I had and have all these things that I would feel like a fraud inside, that I just felt weak as a person. And I said to him, I'm like, but if I were to go out on my own, and do whatever it is I'm supposed to do. Cause I didn't know at the time if it was to start my own business or to get into fitness or be a mom, whatever those things are. And I were to go that route. And then I were to get the condo because of a byproduct of me doing work. I love, I would be really proud of being able to buy that condo because of the work that I did, because I felt it was genuine to who I am and how I express myself. But the reverse 
it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right internally. Like I didn't really deserve it because it wasn't my, it didn't feel like it belonged to me. And I think that alone, to me, that was enough for me to say no to this and to go down this path. You know what I mean? Because it just, it didn't feel right the other way around. And I'd rather have these things by going on this this path that is authentic and true to you and having success be a byproduct, right? Like if money and fame are a byproduct of you doing great work that fulfills you, then great. But if the reverse happens, if you get success, money, and fame, just because, I don't know, you're just doing work you don't believe in, I don't think that feels good. I think it's just good to focus on the other side. What is it that's going to make you feel good? Don't let the idea of it not feeling good be the be your biggest driver. I think about this with myself too. I love looking back at certain things that I've been able to purchase or do in my life and say, hey, this was this this is what health and nutrition built. Versus say, I don't know, selling selling pharmaceuticals or, you know, selling you know, some equipment that's not going to work or trying to undermine someone, you know, selling someone a bad product. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But I, I definitely know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was one, what was, what was a purchase that you really wanted to make at that time that you would have, you would have had the money for, but you feel like would have ended up making you feel kind of guilty or not so happy about it. I think it literally was a condo. Oh, it was a condo. Okay. Was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, do I buy a place? I was, I was at that place of, I've lived in Charlotte for so long. I was like, am I going to buy a place here? And then, and then get into, into more work and just go, I don't know. Everybody's like, I was just like going to be going to real estate. I don't even know why. Cause you make money. Right. That's all I was thinking about. I'm going to buy a condo, going to real estate and, uh, just didn't, but it didn't feel right, dude. I feel like I'd, I, I would just go into real estate to see the inside of amazing homes. <laughs> but you know what? But you know what I'd find? They'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, welcome to real estate, Ryan. We're gonna give you a bunch of these <laughs> not so great homes." And I'd be like, "This is not what I wanted. This is right? not right. I, I wanted to sell mansions, please. They're like, you don't know? put your time in. <laughs> so. Right? There's a process. Yeah. So, anyways, all this being said, with recovery from work, life balance, boundaries, all this stuff, it's difficult. Uh, you know, it's, I think there's an art to it. We're still kind of learning. I'm certainly adapting to this stuff all the time. And when we talk about this, it, it's such, it's so funny because now when we turn it back into like training specifically, how easy it is, I think it's so much easier, right? When we're talking about actually training nutrition recovery, it seems so simple to me. in the fact of like, well, if you, tra- if you trained heavy, you can go to sleep. <laughs> What do I eat? Doesn't just just eat something. Just eat some good. F- yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> have a steak. It does. It does. And <laughs> and it's so exciting to get into the minutia of nutrition and fitness recovery, right? Because the science behind it is really cool. Maybe I'm just speaking personally. It is though. But it really is interesting to understand how the muscle recovers, what's going on during sleep in terms of um, you know, hormones, uh, releasing gross hor- uh, growth hormone, releasing testosterone, how that's going to affect things like your anabolic responses. All these things are just so so necessary for you to uh, to really understand and kind of fit in. But just realize that if we're if we're telling you grams of protein and eat this and you know lift this one day and then you know work out this muscle group another, it is the easy stuff. It's the stuff that you can follow. But 
unless you're unless you're happy with everything else around you, you're truly not recovering. Yeah, that and that's yeah, this stuff that we talked about today has an impact on your recovery, even from the training side, big yeah. time. Because if you're having chronic stress and anxiety, or if you feel like you're being spread so thin in all these other areas of your life, you're not you're not going to recover. Because I've had that too, where you're stressed out, you're stressed out from life circumstances. And so I'm getting burned out because I can't recover my training and then my workouts suffer. And it's it's so true because higher cortisol levels lead to a, an imbalance in things like blood sugar. Your muscles aren't going to recover from that point. It doesn't matter what you're lifting then. Or even loss of appetite. Could be lost. So you of, can't yes. even like, I don't even have a craving for food. There's so many things there. So it when someone asks me about recovery and they're like, just tell me, it ends up being a lot deeper than that. Yeah. And we can. Um, and very exciting we end up we are going to bring someone on the on the podcast yeah um uh joel totoro uh who was actually one of the the first sports dietitians in the industry sports sports dietetics is actually a pretty young uh a pretty young industry we've had dietitians for a long time but dietitians that work specifically within sports within professional uh, teams, um, it's a pretty new thing. So Joel was actually one of the first sports dietitians out there uh, actually getting paid for working with professional athletes and specifically with the New England Patriots. Um, he made the jump from uh, clinical nutrition, working in a hospital up uh, near Boston, I believe, uh, and started working with uh, with the Patriots, which is pretty exciting. He, he worked his way uh, through uh, there. I think he was there for maybe about seven years, I'm just guessing. And through his experiences and building his knowledge through that, he found his way to an amazing company, uh, Thorne. Thorne is uh, a supplement research company who does great things. And they put out wonderful products. Huge fan. Um, yeah. Not just the fact that it can help with performance, but doing it from a scientifically backed, uh, safe way. And that's why we want to be able to talk with him. So actually next week we are going to have him on so that we can get away from a little bit more of, I think we talked about some amazingly emotional things today about the things that we have to be vulnerable for to be able to do a deep dive into ourselves, understand sure. kind of how to recover, um, you know, who recover well for you, for your life and exactly who you are. And now we get to do a little bit of a deeper dive into that scientific side of things. It's going to be very helpful. Yeah. Talking to him when we talked to him on the phone, I think it's going to be a great conversation. So that'll be our next, that'll be our next talk. And uh, then we'll tie, we'll kind of close the gap between the two things, the scientific kind of piece of it. And then this outside life factor, the art, I think of it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Great stuff today, Ryan. Thanks for the conversation, sir. As yeah, always. Man. Of course. Till next time. All right. See you guys next time.